Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you for part two of our series on the importance of NOI. Last week, we talked about net operating income, how you calculate it, how it's connected to cash and equity growth. This week, we're going to take a look at how we can use NOI growth to optimize returns, and in particular, the relationship that rents and vacancy have to NOI. Just as was the case with last week, this is a Podcast Plus episode, so you can go to the Learning Center at marapolling.com and click on the Multifamily Real Estate channel, and there you'll find the Podcast Plus section, and you can watch the video of today's podcast. You can also find last week's session there as well. And we do that whenever we have either some graphics that we want to share with everyone or a little extra math. Now, We'll take our time as we go through the math today, so you'll absolutely be able to follow along if you are listening to our podcast. And I would encourage you, if you get a chance, go to the Learning Center and check out the video of today's podcast. And if you'd like a copy of the slide deck we use in the video, just shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. All right, so with that, let's, let's get into this. Uh, last week, we took a look at NOI, uh, what it was, how it's calculated, a little bit of how, it's, how it drives cash and drives equity growth. Uh, we're going to go into some deeper detail this week about optimizing returns, in particular, in terms of growing NOI. And you grow NOI lots of different ways. We're going to spend a good amount of time on rents and vacancy. We aren't going to ignore the other areas, but we're going to talk about those two in particular. All right. Uh, if you remember last week, uh, and if you haven't listened to last week's session, you can go back, but you don't need to leave right now because I'm going to show you the math in a moment to kind of catch up. If you remember last week, our uh, hypothetical property, 100 units, $1,000 a month, in rent per unit, roughly $10 million valuation for the property. And we had invested about $4 million in the acquisition and improvement of the property. That property was generating $600,000 in annual net operating income. So what we want to look at is what would happen if we could grow NOI by 10%? What would that do in terms of allowing us to optimize the returns in terms of both cash return and equity growth. So on the cash side, we'll do some math here. And again, if you're listening uh, while you're working out or you're in your car uh, taking a drive, uh, that's great. Uh, we'll, we'll work through here uh, at a modest pace. And you can always go to the Learning Center and take a look at the video to uh, see the content uh, or send me an email for the slides. So $600,000 in NOI, a 10% improvement would generate an incremental $60,000 of net operating income. On the cash side, that 60000 
effectively becomes $60,000 of incremental cash flow. Now, there may be some additional expense associated with generating that, but we're talking about a net increase in the net operating income. So it's going to flow straight through. Odds are our debt service isn't going to change. Uh, the fee structure probably doesn't change. Some fees can be tied to income. Uh, ours are not. Ours are fixed and uh, flat. Um, and generally speaking, CapEx reserves aren't going to be tied to that. So that 60000 is going to fall all the way through to the cash flow line. On our $4 million of invested capital, that's a 150 basis point improvement in cash return, and that's every year. So it's not just $60,000. It's $60,000 this year, and it's $60,000 next year, and it's $60,000 the year after, and the year after, and the year after. So we're talking a significant improvement in the performance of the asset on the cash side by moving NOI 10%. Now, that's not the only impact of moving NOI, because NOI, as we recall from last week, is not only a driver of cash performance, but it's a driver of equity growth. So on the equity side, our $600,000, 10% growth, that's $60,000 in incremental NOI at a 6% cap rate. And remember, that's what we said we were using last week. That is $1 million of equity growth. So a 10% increase in NOI at our property added a million dollars in value to the asset. Now remember, we have $4 million invested. So a million dollars is a 25% return on our invested capital. So you can see why moving NOI, why growing NOI is such an incredible tool in terms of optimizing the returns on an asset. So if you want to see the health of an asset, if you want to see what an asset's going to do over time, look at that NOI that it is today, the current NOI, and look at what the plan is. Look at what the tools are that are going to be employed in order to move NOI positively. So how do you do that? How do you grow NOI? Well, if you were with us last week, and if you weren't, here's the chart, right, that we're going to go through. I'll remind you of the math. So we have uh, $1.2 million in gross rent. That's the total rent we can bring in for the year. We've got $120,000 in vacancy. That leaves us with a little over a million dollars in net rental income. We add $180,000 in other income, and that gets us to a total income, the total amount of revenue that's coming in, of just a hair over a million and a quarter, million two sixty. From that, we subtract $660,000 in operating expenses, and that leaves us with our $600,000 in net operating income. Now, we want to grow that 10%, so that's $60,000 a year, or $5,000 a month. Now, if you look at our formula we just walked through, there's four ways we can do that. We can raise rents, so that'll move that top line, right? That gross rent number at the top. If we increase rents, that number goes up. We can reduce vacancy. And remember, vacancy is made up of a number of different factors. We'll look at that more in a moment. 
but we can reduce the costs from vacancy. And if we do that, that's that second line. That'll increase our net rental income, either one of those or both together. We can increase other income, right? So we can get more fee income and the like. All of those increase the total income that we have. And then we can reduce the amount of operating expenses, right? So that's the fourth component. Any one of those or a combination thereof will grow NOI. And we've got a goal now. We want to see 10% NOI growth. That's $60,000 a year. We want to get $5,000 in monthly NOI growth. How are we going to do that? So let's go through and take a look. So number one, we could raise rents, right? Now, remember, we have 100 units at an average rent of $1,000 a month. So we want to increase NOI 10%. Why don't we just increase rents 10%? Well, let's think about that for a minute uh, and go back and look at our math here. Our, our rents on a monthly basis, let's use the monthly number, are $100,000. If we increase them 10%, they become $110,000. That's an incremental $10,000 in rent. We're only trying to grow NOI $5,000, right? So we don't need to grow rents 10%. We want to grow NOI by 10%. So that would actually be a 5% increase. But here's part of the challenge of doing that making that kind of an improvement in NOI solely driven from rents. Um, it takes time. Uh, tenants have leases, and those leases say they get to live in the unit for X amount of time, and for that period of time, they will pay us Y dollars. And if we want to raise their rent, we have to have a new lease in order to be able to do that. So we have to wait until their current lease expires. Well, if we have 100 units and we're very, very evenly distributed, we have between eight and nine units every month that are going to come up for renewal. Now, some of those tenants may leave, meaning the new tenants that come in, we could actually have higher rents on. But some of them are going to stay, and it may be challenging to see a 5% increase. So that might be possible, might not be possible. If it is possible, it will still take time because it would take an entire year to cycle through every lease. And if we're only really able to get that improvement number, that 5% inc that, uh, increase on a new tenant, then it might take 24 months before you cycle through the vast majority of folks in the building. Plus, there are, every property has these. Every property has long tenured tenants, tenants that have been there 3, 5, 8, 10, 15 years or so, even longer. It's not uncommon for long tenured tenants to have rents that are significantly below where the market is. That's both an opportunity in that those rents can be moved up, but it's also a challenge. You're simply not going to be able to move somebody's rent 25 or 30 percent, which is what it might take. The key really to raising rents is going to be making value-add improvements. So we can make small incremental movements in rent along the way, but the way we could move rent 10, 15, 20 percent at a time is to do value-add improvements. And those of you that are watching the Podcast Plus recording, you can see a photo there. That's one of uh, the properties uh, from our portfolio uh, where we did an upgrade, and there you can see the, the kitchen uh, new counter 
resurfacing, uh, tile backsplash, uh, upgraded appliance package, uh, new cabinet fronts and doors and drawers. Um, this was an upgrade that uh, cost us about $8,000 uh, to do, and it allowed us to move rents something in the neighborhood of 150 bucks, about 20%. Uh, was a very, very good uh, return on investment. And that's one of the ways that you can drive NOI growth. So think back to the $4 million I said we have invested in this hypothetical asset. Some of those dollars are dollars to make these kinds of improvements. So that's one of the places we can move NOI. Next up, reduce vacancy. So we said total vacancy is 10%. Well, I use the word total vacancy because we want to uh, communicate that vacancy is not just empty units. Vacancy is a function of three components. The physical occupancy, right? How many units are occupied and how many are not. Concessions, meaning discounts that are given. And then bad debt. So for example, if a unit is occupied, if someone is in the, uh, the unit and they have a lease and they've been paying rent, but now they stop paying rent and either skip out on us in the middle of the night or ultimately end up getting evicted and they never pay what they owe, then that becomes bad debt. Because if someone's in a unit and they're not paying us, that's the same as that unit being empty. So it's part of vacancy. And so are discounts, things like we'll give you $100 off your first month and so on. So you add all those up and that's how we got to 10%. So our gross potential rent at the property is $100,000. If we were to reduce vacancy by 1%, that would give us $1,000 a month. Remember, $5,000 a month is what we're trying to get to. So a 1% reduction in vacancy gets us $1,000. Now, that's the same as increasing the average rent by 1%, right? If we increase the average rent by 1%, then $100,000 in gross potential rent would become $101,000, that we'd have that extra $1,000. But there are a couple of differences. One is vacancy movement is immediate, right? If we can make an improvement in occupancy, in physical occupancy or reduce concessions or reduce bad debt, and we can do that now, we can do it today, then we see that movement immediately. If we increase average rents 1%, well, it takes us an entire year to do that because we have to wait until every single lease goes through the renewal process. Now, the flip side of that is it can also move in the opposite direction. So a, an improvement in vacancy isn't going to be as stable and long-lasting as moving rent because if we make a 1% reduction in vacancy, well, two months from now, we could have a 1% increase in vacancy. If we improve rents, if we move the average rent by 1%, it's not likely that it comes back down by 1%, at least not very rapidly. It might happen on the concession side, but generally speaking, those rent movements, while they take longer, are going to have a longer and more stable life, whereas vacancy movement can have some instability to it. Also, if you're trying to reduce vacancy at the same time you're trying to move rent, those can work at odds with each other. 
Not always, right? Especially, if, again, if we're doing value-add work, you can actually see both of those improve. Well, what else could we do? Well, we've got other income. So our other income is $15,000 a month. How could we improve, how could we increase our other income? Well, one of the things to do is to go look at all the fees and expenses that we incur, because that's a lot of what other income is, is having tenants reimburse us for the costs associated with the asset that can be and are appropriate to pass through to the tenant. Now, you want to look at what the competition's doing, right? So that's part of what we would do is we'd go out and make sure our comp study is accurate. So we could see, for example, uh, our other competitors passing through the cost of pest control. And if so, how are they doing that? What, what methodology or what dollar amount are they using? And we'd want to make sure we're in line with that. And the same would be true for a number of other uh, elements. Uh, parking, right? Are other folks charging for assigned parking or for covered parking? And if so, what are they charging? So we'd go, to, go through and do an audit. We're most likely not going to find the $5,000 a month that we're looking for here. Uh, we're only having $15,000 a month of other income to start with. Um, but we might be able to make a 5 or a 10% improvement in other income. And again, those of you that are watching can see a photo there of one of our favorite uh, items, and that is uh, package lockers. It's a great amenity. Tenants love them, especially given the way uh, our retail lives have changed in the last uh, six, nine months. Package lockers are great, uh, and tenants are uh, very satisfied with uh, the service they get, and happy to pay the few extra dollars a month in a fee that we ask in return, uh, and we get a very nice return out of that investment. So we can make improvements to other income, even if we're not moving rents in any significant way. So those are all the revenue items. What about the expense side? Can't we lower expenses? We absolutely can so our operating expenses are $55,000 a month at our sample property here. It is absolutely possible to lower those. If you think about it, it's really a huge opportunity because $55,000, that's five times what the vacancy number is, right? So there's a lot of dollars in the operating expense side of the equation. Some of the places we would look would be like repairs and maintenance. For example, we might look to see, are we having a recurring problem, maybe we've got a set of HVAC units that we have spent a fair amount of time and money repairing, when we really ought to go through and do a survey of the units in the property and replace a number of them. So we might make a capital investment, and that capital investment would not only have a, an improving effect on the property, but it would also allow us to lower those repairs and maintenance expenses because we'd have fewer HVAC breakdowns. Property taxes. Property taxes are a big expense. Uh, and it's not something we can control. However, 
in many jurisdictions, if not all jurisdictions, certainly in the jurisdictions we're in, uh, we do have the ability to appeal our property tax bills, and that is something we do with some degree of regularity. We certainly do an audit every year, uh, and in many instances, we do find that there's an opportunity to appeal, and I'm not aware of any instance yet where we've made an appeal that we haven't had some degree of savings uh, from that standpoint. Uh, insurance. Insurance is absolutely a product that you not only need to have for your loan, but it's a good product to have on the property. Uh, it's good for investors. It's good for tenants. It's just good for everybody. It's also offered by a number of different firms, and so it can be shopped around. And so there are strategies that we can use to lower those expenses. But it's also a pretty big ship. Like I said, it's five times the size of total vacancy, but there's also a lot of real value in those dollars. So it can be very challenging to actually find the $5,000 we're looking for in operating expenses. What's more likely and potentially a better objective for us is to try and slow the annual growth. So instead of growing at 3 or 4%, can we grow it at 2% or 1% and hold some line items flat maybe? Those might be some of the things we'd look at. So let's go back to our growing NOI objective. We wanted to add $5,000 in net operating income uh, on a monthly uh, basis. And uh, our current rent, uh, gross rents, a million to fall through everything else, we get down to our $600,000. If we realized a 5% rent increase, but did so over the course of 12 months, well, 12 months from now, we'd have a 5% increase in our, uh, our net operating income uh, and in our gross rents. Here, we're showing a $30,000 impact to this year because we're taking 5% and understanding that it will take some time for that to hit. So we're not going to see all of it in the first half of the year, but we'll see more in the second half. So we get $30,000 of our $60,000 objective. What if we could reduce vacancy, make those improvements from 10% down to 8.5%? If we can do that, that's another $15,000, a little over $15,000 that we would pick up in incremental net operating income. That 5% increase in other income, like I said, maybe it's from implementing package lockers or some other fee or uh, charge that we uh, might identify, that would generate an extra $9,000. And then when we get to operating expenses, while it's the biggest line item in terms of what it could do, as we said, it's really hard to kind of move that. So there, we might simply lower them by 1%, meaning we've restrained the growth and we found a little bit of savings. So we've got six, not quite $7,000. Well, if you add all that up, it's a little over $60,000 in uh, NOI growth that we have realized, none of it coming from one place in particular, right? We didn't get $60,000 in higher rents or $60,000 in other income or a $60,000 reduction in operating expenses or any of those, those items. But we got to our $60,000 objective utilizing a strategy that touches on all four elements, rents, all the vacancy components, other income, and operating expenses. 
and that allowed us to achieve our objective. Now, next week, we're going to talk about adjusted NOI. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what's adjusted NOI? Well, adjusted NOI is what I would honestly say is the real NOI. The math we've gone through is fantastic when we're looking at current and historical data. When we actually are looking at how we value a property, we're talking about valuing it for the future, and we need to do some things to NOI to do that. So we're going to talk about adjusted NOI. We'll talk about some items that are not NOI that need to be part of the conversation, and we're going to touch on cap rates. Uh, we did a little bit last week. We're going to go into a little more depth on cap rates next week, and then we'll take a look beyond NOI and, and see what is out there. Uh, that helps move our returns that isn't net operating income. Please stop by the multifamily real estate channel at the Learning Center at marapolling.com so you can uh, take a look at this week's and last week's uh, video recordings. Email me and I'll send you a copy of the slide deck, pat at marapolling.com. Uh, you can also visit the website, marapolling.com, and schedule a call. I'm happy to chat with you uh, if you have any questions at all. So please join us next week for part three of the importance of NOI on, the multi <laughs> on multifamily real estate investing presented by Mara Polling. Mm -hmm.